2: This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. Yeah, so how many, day, how many days a week can you spend that?
0: As much as I can, to be honest with you. Anytime time that I get, I'm, I'm out there. Join
2: us for every heart-pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll
1: tell you like I tell everyone else. I'm going to hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs>
2: Houndsman XP, nation, world, globe. We're global, Heath. Yeah. We're global with Houndsman XP. Yeah. So, I got Heath with me. He's riding shotgun on this one, and uh, this is an AMA Friday. And just kind of lay this out, folks. I mean, you got, you guys. If you want questions answered, this is a fun deal. And we got a, we got a couple. Uh, we got one good fun question we're going to hit this month, but. Uh, <laughs> AMA Friday is about asking us all kinds of questions, you know, like, um, you know, anything you want. Why does Chris, why, why, why does Chris drive a Toyota and why is he still driving a Chevy truck? I mean, stuff like that. Because I'm smarter. No, that, no. Yes. Yeah. I'll be, be towing you (laughs) off the mountain again.
0: Well, I'll, I'll fix it and keep on the trucking.
2: Yep. 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 No, uh. You guys can ask us whatever, but we got some really good questions this month. We got one guest that's going to come in. He's going to step in and answer one of our questions, and uh, stuff like that. But Heath, right now you're you're not even at home. You're actually enjoying some <laughs> some decent internet connection for a change.
0: <laughs> I am in Chesterfield, Virginia. I'm up here for the Vapwater workshop. So yeah, my I've got five G on my phone. So it should be five C where I'm at five country you got country internet and i'm I'm, five, yeah. I'm 5g now so i'm 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 waiting the high life
2: yeah yeah hey i was showing you our new patch caps too our leather patch caps we just got mm-hmm. in um i'm gonna have those on the road with me uh well when this podcast drops i'll be on the road in texas going to the american hunting terrier association trials down in uh tyler texas i'll have these hats with me so but uh what do you think of the new hats i, I
0: like them I, I i mean i like the color um of course you're wearing a multi-cam which is you know what we wear when we're out on like high-risk deployments and stuff so i, I like it and i like the leather patch mm-hmm. um looks good
2: i i searched all over looking for a very well done uh leather patch cap that I mean when it when it was finally on the hat I mean it popped and I went to with Western Rider and got all Richardson caps and uh when they put their stitching in and the way they they laser engrave these patches I mean they are sharp and we got multiple colors you know we've got uh, tan and brown and we've got black and gray and we've got we've got blaze orange because bear season is here and uh, you can you're gonna be able to find all of those on dogs are Treed by the time this drops so, nice uh, and then yeah LW Nixon's going to carry some in his shop over at uh, Cajun lights so oh, good. they'll be in his shop in in North Carolina so they're gonna be out there and they're a good looking hat. can they
0: get them off of our website?
2: Uh, no no they can't they can't go directly to our website and get them they'll have to shop with lw find us somewhere in person we might run some kind of deal off of our facebook page where you can drop us a message and uh i don't know i i don't know how to work that out i don't know how to make that work maybe paypal i don't know what we're going to do yet but, uh, dogs are treated and, and LW at, at Cajun lights. will definitely have a few and, uh, they'll, they'll be able to get them from there for sure.
0: Yeah. Go on over to dogs are treated and get you one of those tie outs, man. I, I've used mine this year and I really, um, just the convenience of it. It's well-built. Like I really like the product. I mean, I've made tie outs for years, but, um, that one just works. And it, I mean, it rolls up, they give you a bag you know you buy a bag with it like've I've really put mine to use this year
2: I'll, when anytime I go to an event and uh, people see me set it setting that thing up they got to be quick if they're gonna watch because it only mm-hmm. takes like it takes less than five minutes to s- set it up uh, but once I once I get set up or they see me setting it up man it draws a crowd at bear camp down in Tazewell this year uh, there were five guys that were standing around saying hey are you setting up that dogs are tree tie out and i said yeah and they said man we want to see you set that mm-hmm. up and by the by the time by the time they were you know it, three minutes it was mm-hmm. done out of the bag set up and i was hooking dogs to it yeah, so they're nice it is slick yep yeah yeah one of the best one of the best best pieces of gear that i've got in the truck for sure yeah Well, hey man let's dive into some of these questions and uh i think we'll just start with uh we'll we'll just start with a question here and uh see where we're see where we're at on it uh let me pull it up i had i was trying to get see i'm technologically challenged here i was trying to get everything set up so i wouldn't be digging that goes along with
0: driving a toyota I mean, <laughs> you
2: know what hey here's here's the truth of it, man. I tried to love my Chevy. I had a nice Chevy truck I went out and and had a two thousand seventeen silverado z seventy one I mean that thing was tricked out it was it was a beautiful truck. I wanted to love that thing so bad. it was comfortable to ride in wheel bearings went out of it while I'm in montana yep. that was the first in a that 2007? was. The first thing. I mean, I, oh yeah yeah wheel bearings went out had to have them replaced and i mean this truck this truck was it was hooked up to the app on my phone i could be sitting in the cabin and and start it via bluetooth out in the driveway and let that dude warm up i mean i loved it it was an awesome truck so the wheel bearings go out of it that was the first thing and then um um so i got that fixed and then the uh when I was pulling back from Montana, 70 miles from home, every light on the dash comes on. Blee, you know, like the freaking space shuttle was failing. And uh, pull over, get get off the side of the road. Look in my owner's manual. What's going on? Can't find anything. Call the Chevy dealer. They're like, man, we think your torque converter came apart in it, in the in the transmission. Can you get it here? Well, I limped it off the, to the next exit. Took it in there. And of course I was that smart guy, you know, when I, when at a hundred thousand miles, you know, I didn't answer the phone calls about extending my warranty. So (laughs) it was out of warranty. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, so here I am, $6,000 out of pocket, getting it fixed at a Chevy dealership, have to call my brother, haul all my stuff. I mean, I've been on the road for two and a half months, took, loaded all my stuff in his Toyota Tundra. Pulled my, pulled my side by side. All my dog box, everything went home in his Tundra. All my dogs, everything. R- we're riding in style now in his Tundra. Get it home. Go back uh, three days later to pick my truck up. Now I got to say, the service at the Chevy dealership was awesome. I mean, that, from the time I got that truck there to going back and getting it was three days. I mean, that was amazing. Mm. I couldn't couldn't ask for better service. Get back over there, pick it up. Wife and I are driving back home. She's she's driving her vehicle. I'm driving that. We stop for supper in Louisville, and I go out and get in the truck, turn the key. Boom, nothing happens. And I thought, daggone starter went out of this thing. And I get under it. I'm looking at it. I'm thinking, okay, I got, you know, one shot. I'll put her in the driver's seat. She turned the key. I'm going to hit this thing with a hammer. Hopefully, boom, you know, that's an old Chevy trick. Hit it with a hammer. You can knock that starter loose get the starter going you can't get to the starter. There's so many guards and the way they, where they had the starter and everything on that. I could not get a, a hammer to, to tap on that starter while she was turning the key. So we call the old, the old OnStar, and it took them five and a half hours to get a tow truck to me, to get us towed back to the Chevy dealership for a new starter. And on the way home, I was so mad. I was like, when I get home that sucker, I'm selling it. And I, bought a 2007 tundra that i didn't feel bad about beating the mirrors off of and i've loved it it's been the most awesome truck i've ever had you
0: shouldn't have had a problem out of a 27 2017 like that i mean that's crazy you got a lemon
2: hey i lo- i re i researched it and gm has a major problem with those torque converters in those half-ton Chevys, and hmm. the 7 six, 15 2015 on and I filed a, I filed a thing, you know, if there's ever a class action suit to recoup money, my name's on the list for it. So with the national, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but man, I wanted, I've I've had GMCs. I've had, I've had several GMC trucks. I've had Chevy trucks. I've had all that stuff. And, um, uh, man, I, the more research I did about the new model Chevys, then I was just like, nope, I'm done. Yeah,
0: I've heard a lot of people say that.
2: Yeah, it's unfortunate, man. It's unfortunate. Cuz I I really am a you know, red, white and blue Chevy tough Chevy, you know, made in America type guy. But Yeah. Yep. Yep. Anyway, hey, let's jump into this thing. I'll tell you the first thing that I really like about my my uh Tundra is that great big console because Tough can ride right there beside me on that console. And uh I snapped a picture, the cover photo that you see Um, for an ama that we post on facebook is tough sitting beside me in my truck and and david beach wants to know how did you get your dog to make the same face you're making
0: y'all are twinning (laughs) twinning
2: (laughs) yeah yeah i'll tell you it's it's one of those things that i don't know they always say that you're you know you end up looking a lot like your pets have you ever seen those side-by-side comparisons on the on the internet people that look like their pets
0: your dog takes on your personality
2: (laughs) something something i don't know what it is but uh man i'll tell you what that little dude is so he can aggravate the pants off of you but he's animated he's fun and uh you know i i just thought that was a great question david and i appreciate you writing it up to let us get this thing started and um uh yeah it was just a great question one of the best questions we've ever had on an ama
0: Broke the camera while he was taking the picture.
2: Yeah, Tuff's a lot more photogenic than I am, I can tell you that. <laughs> Definitely. To tell me that I look like him, I, that makes me feel pretty good.
0: Yeah, maybe you're going to be a dog in your next life, or maybe he was in your previous life. Maybe Maybe was a dog
2: <laughs> You never know. Oh, man. All right. Um, let's skip that one. All right. We got a, we got a question from Tom Johnson. Mm-hmm. The question is, and I'll just read it. It says, if you're unable to hunt with the hounds Ooh. you're getting a pup from, how do you gather reliable information about the pup's parents? Because some folks aren't going to tell you the negative things about their hounds. Heath, I'll let you answer that. You, you start with that one.
0: Well, for me, I, I'm, maybe I'm geared a little different. i you know, I want to know, and it's going to fall back to the question I think you skipped. You know, I want to know what the parents do, but I don't really care about the parents. I want to know what they produce is what I'm looking for. So for me, I'm probably going to start, you know, maybe hunting with some of its offspring. Um, going and, you know, maybe you've got somebody that's close to you that um, can find out, um, So me, I'm more I want to know more about what they're producing. Um yes, I want to have a good solid um male and female, you know, that's that's not a question um for me. But I think if I was in your shoes, maybe I would probably start looking at what they're producing. Um if they're breeding the same two dogs multiple times, you know, that'd be another question like for me. Um I'm a little lurry on the second crosses i know some people have them work um if you listen to bart and i talk on the journey um, when he talks about the breeding stuff um
2: what episode was that what episode was that what even? number what was the name of it um what we call our, it, it was building a better
0: breeding program yeah building a mm-hmm. better
2: breeding program that guy's an expert and you guys yes you guys talk and we
0: you know we talked about, about you know that the second one is, is a hit or miss and they, they really don't do that because it's so unpredict It's pre- unpredictable anyway, but you know, so, I mean, that's a couple of questions I'll ask myself. Um, Chris, read that question again about what if the first part of it.
2: Yeah. It says, if you're unable to hunt with the hounds, you're getting a pup mm-hmm. from, how do you gather reliable information <clears throat> about the pup's parents?
0: Well, and again, I think, you know, go back and see if, see if there's somebody that's close to them that's hunting with the dog. Um, And like I said, you're asking yourself the question is, okay, why, why is it that I want a pup from this? Is it because this, the male dog does a B and C or the female is complimentary of, of him um, or vice versa. And, you know, find out there's somebody that's hunting with the dog, somebody that's been with it. And, you know, I was told this saying a long time ago and I still believe it. Believe nothing you hear and half what you see. Because Mm -hmm. even if you go with a dog on a one-time thing, you're not probably seeing the real dog. I mean, you need to hunt with that dog multiple times, which puts me back to my original um, answer is try to see what they're producing. That's going to be the, that's going to be the, the tell me sign for me. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's just my thoughts on it. Um, Like I said, uh, and I, I I relate this back to Sackett Jr. You know, I had a dog directly out of him. um, My close, close friend went up and bred, and Frank took them out and hunted with numerous dogs. And, you know, he told me, he's like, you know, Sackett didn't really impress me, but the 10 young dogs that we hunted after we turned him loose was what sold me on him. So that's, right. and I've always remembered that. That's been, <laughs> well, that dog was born in, uh, 97. So it's been that many years ago. So,
2: man, he was he was definitely one of the greats. You mm-hmm. know, no doubt about it.
0: Now he was, he was a, a dog. I mean, him. don't get me wrong. That's not yeah. you know, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that, you know, after after they went hunting with him and they started turning them young dogs loose, 12, 15, 16 months old, and it was just like bam, bam, bam. He's like that's well, for me. That's what I'm after. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. For for me, I mean it's it's never been easier to get information and you got to be careful because you can get good information. You can get bad information than we can right now in this day and age. You know, if you go on, on any social media, I mean, this question was asked on social media and Tom, I've seen your name on several forums and stuff. So I know you're well connected. Uh, But um, you know, it it doesn't hurt to go into, and I'm just going to use big country for an example, because you know, he's got his own Facebook stuff. You could use Crash. You could use, you know. More people are setting up kennel pages where they're posting and and stuff results of pups, and you are going to find people through your network that um, um, can answer the questions for you, you know, and and can help can help you understand, you know, what you are actually getting into. And um, if if you can't, then and you are you are shooting it from the hip here, and you are shooting in the dark. You're always going to take a gamble. It's always a gamble. You know, when you go pick up an eight week old puppy, mm-hmm. um, they could be all the greatest things in the world and they, they may not be the same as what their parents were. That's right. And, um, so that's where I'm at. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta ha- call in the old network at that point. Either there's people, you know, personally, or, you know, really do some research on that. Um, cause I've, I've totally switched into new bloodlines, you know, you, you see the hype and, and you look and, and all of a sudden you're, you're interested. It's like, man, maybe I ought to try this. And, and sometimes when you start digging down into it, all you find is the hype. You never find, you never find the real deal out there. You can't find the people with the real deal. Mm -hmm. So, and the other thing is I've, I've also found that, that not everybody's standards, um, match you know, what, what mine are or, or the way the dog was described. What, what may be a, some guy may bet have the best coon. He may advertise. I've got you know, these are the best hounds I've ever hunted with. Well, maybe, maybe he's never hunted with a good one. You know, I don't know. So, um, it's always, a, it's always a shot in the dark.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, again, I mean, you kind of said it is the risk, is the risk worth the reward? I mean, are you paying $1,000 for a puppy paying $200, you know, you can't raise, you can't raise a litter of puppies for less than a thousand I mean, I'm telling you, I just did it. Six dogs. And I mean, I told you guys I had $1,200 in six dogs, um, at a very young age. So, you know, risk Mm -hmm. versus reward, you know, if it's, it is what it is, but yeah, um, you know, ask around and ask multiple people. Don't take a word for, and again, it's hard to take people's word, Chris said it, but I like to look at the product more so than what's producing it i'm um like i said i I've kind of rolled that way for many years now, and um mm-hmm. you know, is it something that I want, and okay, if they're producing if this is what they're producing, then you know I don't really care what they do, honestly, you know right so that's just my thought process,
2: yeah, well, that rolls into. Our next question mm. is uh, Andrew's it is Andrew. It's Andrew Bailey's. And this is something that I've, I see a lot getting kicked around on social media about brood gyps versus, versus proven females. And that question gets asked a lot and people weigh in about their opinions on, on uh, brood stock that's being bred. And, uh, I, I went to, I went to Jerry mall for the, to help us answer this question. I recorded a short session with him and, uh, Jerry has got, uh, multiple dogs in the hall of fame. He was always known. Jerry was known way more for the females that he hunted than any stud dog that he ever hunted. He did a lot of winning with, with kiss and Jenny and. And uh, his female and female, and he's, I mean, even his pups out of his line, I don't know the last time that, that Jerry actually raised the litter of tree and Walker pups at his house, but he had two pups that were in the quarterfinals for the PKC World Hunt last week. Nice. You know, so, yeah. So, um, you know, that's why I went to Jerry and, and asked him this question. So let's let him weigh in on it first, and then we'll come back and we'll discuss our, our opinions. On this sort of stuff, so here is Jerry. All right, so I've got Jerry Mall with me, and uh, he's going to help me answer the do part of the answer on this question. But Jerry, you've been breeding Trium Walker Coonhounds, the Salt Creek dogs, for how many years now? Uh, how many generations? You in how many years?
1: Well, the 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 dogs that I have now uh, originated uh, probably about nineteen eighty four so, um pretty close to that,
2: yeah, yeah, a couple a, a few decades there. we're going on forty years of salt Creek coonhounds. That's kind of humbling to think about it in yeah. forty years
1: yeah it's uh it's amazing it in one way, it doesn't seem that long ago, and another way uh it seems like uh centuries ago. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, the question is – the question is uh, – well, before we get there, I'll ask this question here in a second. I kind of want to set this up. you got two dogs uh, that you just posted and going on to the finals, or what are they, in the quarterfinals for the PKC World Hunt, meaning they're double-cast winners, silver champions. I mean, you've had multiple gold champions in PKC over the years. And so, you know – you may not look at yourself like this, Jerry, but I do. I mean, I, I've always looked at you as a as a serious breeder of of tree and Walker Coonhounds and a knowledgeable, good breeder. You know, so um, that's that's how I wanted to set that up. But uh, here's the question. So the question was asked, and it seems to get bannered around a lot about brood bitches versus only breeding proven. Proven females, and um, uh, it, it, it gets kicked around a lot. So I just wanted to get your opinion on what you've done, what you've seen, what your experience is. Is there a difference, or does it make all the difference in the world?
1: Well, the only thing I can give is my opinion, and, and I'll, I'll preface it by saying that most of the time when I give my opinion on this subject, uh, other people quickly say, but what about this dog and what about that dog and what about that dog? Uh, while it's absolutely true uh-huh. that there's are, there are some outstanding dogs out there that are out of females that are either unproven, in other words, never hunted, or they were hunted and they're, they're not up to par and they're substandard females. And, and they can uh-huh. and do produce outstanding dogs. My opinion has always been that if you breed a subpar female, uh, that sooner or later, somebody is going to pay for that indiscretion that you've committed. And I, I believe somewhere down the road that whatever faults that, that this uh, substandard female has will come out again uh, later down the road in some fashion. And so that's why I've always believed that that you should only breed uh, proven females. Obviously, there's a, there's a whole thing about uh, genotype and phenotype. And and when, when you're looking at the outward expressions of, of what a female is made up of, you can't always guarantee that you're going to get out of that female what she looks and sounds and acts like because you know there's there's hidden things Mm -hmm. in the genes there but at the same time uh in the world of dog breeding that's that's really the only thing you have to go on Uh, we we don't have any other tools to use
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so um it's my belief if you breed that substandard female there's there's something wrong with the genes in there. And again, they'll, they'll pop up sooner or later. Well, what about
2: that? What about that female that came from an outstanding litter? Yeah. Or maybe it may it just a, a good solid litter, but she due to circumstances, maybe she didn't get hunted. She didn't get the chance, you know, at that point, are you looking at the, the, deficiencies she may have being genetic or are they man-made
1: well that's a good question i, I think you got to look at each female individually uh i mean even the even the, uh, a female for example that hasn't been hunted if, if you put at least some time in her to determine uh you know her mouth or tracking ability or treeing ability i mean even if she's untrained uh, you can get some determination uh, of those three things with within a short amount of time, and if she shows deficient on any of those, it, it should pop pop up quickly as well. Um, and and I, my personal, in my personal opinion, so you, is I would stay away from breeding a female like that uh mm-hmm. the, the the all another
2: so so you if you go ahead go
0: ahead
1: i was just going to say the the interest go ahead. the interesting thing or another interesting thing about this question it always comes up that you know breeding a good v- female versus an unproven or a substandard female uh and never that same discussion i've never heard it come up about a sire Hey, would you breed a substandard sire? Well, well, no, I wouldn't. Why would you? (laughs) I I don't. I guess I don't see the difference. But but the but it's so much of a different thing that you never hear that discussion even brought up. And and I I guess
2: well, very. I mean, any any stud dog any stud dog owner will tell you that very rarely does the female get any of the credit or any of the blame for any of those pups that come out. You know, we we overlook that. We see that in stud dog ads and, and, you know, just look at Facebook, you know, very rarely people list pups and it'll say out of so-and-so male dog, you know, this, this, and they won't even list the female that it came from.
1: Sure. Sure. I, I mean, how often have you ever heard of a brood male? (laughs)
2: <laughs> i've known of some yep. <laughs> people don't talk about them though
1: <laughs> you know that they, they, so i've got a really outstanding female here and i'm gonna breed her to this dog that is is either unproven or substandard uh but he, he's got a good pedigree so i'm gonna breed to him that that's never gonna happen if mm. you've got an outstanding female you look all over the country for the best male to breed her to. And, and I just really Mm -hmm. don't ever understand why it doesn't work the other way around, but.
2: Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. It sure does though. All right. So, but when you're breeding that, when you're breeding that female, you can't pass on, uh, you know, what, what she, her trainability. Well, I mean, her, her, how she has been trained, how she has, you know, developed, you're basically just breeding for the genetic traits and then looking at the, her performance as an indicator, whether or not you're going to breed that female. It's not one or the other. Right.
1: Right. right. And and you can, uh, you know, there's no direct science in it. I mean, just because it's an outstanding female or male for that matter, there's really no way to guarantee that that outstanding individual can, can pass on any traits whatsoever, uh, that, that they show that they, you know, that show up in their performance. Uh, Um, all all you can guarantee is they'll only reproduce as their, as their genes will allow. And we, you know, we don't have a Mm. way to dig in, to find out what that is, I mean, there's no DNA studies in depth in studies, uh, like they do in in hogs and cattle, for example, to where you know they pretty well know what something's <laughs> going to produce. Uh, and within coonhounds, we you know we just don't have that that depth of study to find that out without just doing it.
2: And that's, we're asking a lot more from a hound than we are for a, a beef cow or a, a you know pork, a meat hog. You know, all they got to do is eat, eat a lot, eat often, and pack weight on. You know, and modify the the fat versus uh, you know protein, lean lean meats that's that's a totally different thing we're looking you know we are doing something that's so much more in depth we're uh breeding for personality traits trainability tracking ability training ability locating ability i mean we're asking a lot i'd say even more than like a performance horse thoroughbred that runs around a track at the kentucky derby
1: absolutely and and again the even though they ask uh less of those animals there's more in-depth study into their yeah. th- their ability to pass on the genetic traits uh, because there's you know mm. there's a lot of money in, in those industries. and so for example, that you know they, they flush they flush the females of their eggs and then they do embryo transplants and all kind of other stuff, which we don't do and uh, and so there's a lot more, lot more in-depth study there but with coon hounds yeah. as, well, as, yeah. as you know in coonhounds, i mean uh, you can breed two and i've experienced this many times you breed two outstanding individuals together with high high hopes and you might get a, a substandard or so-so litter <laughs> and and yet you may breed right an, another pair that you think is going to be a good cross and all of a sudden, it's an outstanding cross. And the the people that say they've yeah. got that part figured out, uh, I'd be a little scared of because I, I sure don't. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible to figure that all out, but I sure haven't been able to.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this, you could almost put a, and maybe we will do this sometime and, and go in depth on this thing. But, uh, for ask me anything Friday, I think we've answered the question there, Jerry. Um, it kind of goes back to what you've always said about hunting a good looking dog. There's no sense in, there's enough of them out there. There's no sense in hunting an ugly one. That's right. You know? Uh, so your, your, your dogs are always a good looking, good looking specimens that can get it done. And I've always known you that I don't, I've always known you to have good female hounds. I mean, that's what you mostly hunted and and bred and things like that. So I appreciate you taking the time to help us out.
1: Well, let me know if you want to have another discussion about brood sires. All
2: right. That sounds good. All right. We'll do it, Jerry. Thanks a lot, man. All
1: right. Talk to you soon. All right.
2: So, uh, yeah, Jerry... We got Jerry's answer on that, and, um, you know, Jerry was, of course, he was heavy on he likes proven stock, but what's your opinion? What's your opinion?
0: Well, again, I think it goes back to the podcast we did with um, Bart Rogers from Auburn University. Um, yes, I do want the the male and the female to be able to run and tree the game that I'm after. Um, you know, I know we had talked – Maybe, I don't remember what, what podcast it was on. We talked about coon dogs versus bear dogs, so on and so forth. Um, but yes, that your by chances are going to have a, a better, you're going to have better chances with dogs that um, are doing the job you're asking them to do. And then if you, you go back to um, one of the first, maybe the first or second podcast I did with Ariel, she talks about the neuroscience. And she talks about, you know, when you're hunting those females while they're pregnant, that it already puts some neurological information into those puppies, um, and the puppies have a better chance um, Mm -hmm. of of being successful. Not all. You know, we got to put that disclaimer in there that not all of them. um, And then it goes into how they're raised and how they're trained and opportunities, and, you know, we can go on down the list, many, many, many (laughs) lists. Um, But, yes, um, with what Andrew's asking – yeah, you want to have dogs that are accomplished. But, again, there's always a but. That doesn't mean that the pups are going to turn out. I have bred some very good dogs that I thought there was no way they would miss. And it was the biggest flop <laughs> I've ever done. That's well, what I mean, Jerry said. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, they're like, there's no way. I mean, you heard me say it three years ago. Them, pup, them, them dogs are two years old now. And, I'm like, I just want to pull my hair out. I'm like, oh, I mean, that was... Looking at it now, i will definitely do some things different. Um, but I didn't think it would miss. Like I'm thinking, you know, eight out of ten pups are gonna be Yeah. Like average or above average dogs. And
2: I think I think you did pull yeah. some hair out over that litter.
0: Yeah. Look yeah, look I mean, looking
2: at looking at you.
0: You had more <laughs> hair three years ago than yeah. you got now. That's pull my hair <laughs> out from today working with those dogs, like uh, <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? Um but yeah, so I'm 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 with Andrew. I feel like that your chances are better if you want to be successful. Your your chances are better getting dogs from proven crosses. Now, I do know some let, people. Let, that let, me, let me
2: let me let me jump in. in there, let me jump in, there. in. All right, so I'm going to take I'm going to take the less popular position, just for the sake of argument, because it's hard to argue with what <laughs> you and Ariel talked about about the neuroscience and. You know why wouldn't you find there's enough there's enough good females out there that that you can find proven females out of that 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 can do the job and it they don't have to be exceptional but they need to be acceptable you know and and so when you're when you're breeding for a litter of puppies though I'm never going to capture the training uh, that that went into that dog in my puppy. I'm never going to, you know, how was she raised? Was she given every opportunity she could and, and you know, she turned into a nice hound? Uh, was she passed around because she fell in the wrong hands and, and the guy that got her got her where she can, she can run in triacoon and be be reliable doing it? And it's like, okay. And, and so she's got, the, she's got this genetic all-star pedigree behind her she has shown that that she can do an acceptable job here to me i would rather breed to that female that is that is average with very good genetics than breed to the performance superstar that came from a line of that never really produced much of anything else you know of all the you go back and it's it's you know i never heard of the dogs you see a lot of you know, or maybe you hunt them with them, maybe. uh, And there's some, some lines that I've hunted with multiple lines that guys just keep hunting. And, um, I never really cared for them, but that was, that was my preference. It's not, there was anything really wrong with them. It just wasn't my style. So when you look at it from that standpoint, you know, I'm breeding for the genetic makeup of that dog. I'm not necessarily breeding because what somebody trained that dog to be able to do. Um, and, and some of these, some of these, dogs that that are brewed, maybe they never got the chance i mean it's an argument worth making if they came mm-hmm. from an outstanding litter they came from an outstanding litter and you know this female never never really got a chance to show what she was then i mean can you really hold it against her
0: i read an article oh, it's been 10 15 years ago um and i don't remember the guy or the kennel but it was a German short-haired pointer guy from out in the Midwest. And he had this little female that nobody liked. She was undersized. She was put up really good, but nobody, nobody would have bred to her because mm-hmm. of something. Um, I, don't, I don't remember what was going on, but she got bred accidentally and produced the best litter of puppies that he's ever had. So he continued to breed to her. And she produced high-quality litters. Um, my buddy up in New York had a female, a walker female. She was a lipper-bred female. And I don't care what you bred her to, you got three, two or three, four out of that litter that was above average and one or two that was superstars. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter what about. you bred her to. You mm-hmm. bred, bred her to four four or five, five different males. And well, Jimmy, my old dog that, that this passed that, that Jimmy was out of her. Um, uh, my sky female was out of her. They were half sisters, different dads. I mean, she produced. So I think you got to take what you're saying into context. I mean, um, it, it can be that it can happen. Like, you're not saying, we're not saying it can happen, but I think if you want to up your chances, you know, well, yeah. both of them, and, and again, the the female that we bred to, um, she running through her own bear, no questions asked. So it wasn't like she, she was a brood female. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'm getting a little off with that, but the, the the article that I read about the GSP, um, yeah, that's pretty much what she ended up being. And they got numerous, I don't know the titles for the GSP and stuff, but she produced numerous dogs that placed in their, their trials and stuff. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of like what you said is give or take, i I don't know. I mean, if we knew, we'd all be millionaires on the genetics and how they fall in dogs.
2: Well, you lo- you look at the blue tick breed, uh, and I I I can't verify this. It's just going off of what everybody says. But if you look at uh, some of the Smoky River pedigrees, you'll see JB's Chief pop up a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, JB's mm-hmm. Chief is probably one of the and, and I've always heard that he was a mediocre dog, you know, he, he wasn't, he, at best, he was a mediocre dog, and I can't verify that, uh, I've never really talked to anybody that, that put a lot of hunting in with him, but Warren Hasselauer saw something in that dog, or, and, and he, you know, he helped shape the blue tick breed, and I can tell you dogs in the mountain cur breed, and the black and tan breed, and all these dogs that, that, um, Uh, they themselves weren't superstars um, and probably not what a lot of us are dreaming of hunting, but they ended up producing pretty well, you know, reproducing pretty well.
0: Well, if you listen to the podcast that Bart and I did, he talks about that. He talks about mm -hmm. those mediocre dogs were out, out. um, What do you, what do you want to, how do you say it? When they produce, they were out producing the top tier dogs. Mm Mm-hmm. And he talked about that.
2: Yeah, the ones, the ones that were in performance, you know they, mm-hmm. they were mediocre in performance. But yeah. they, that's what I've always said, man. I would, I, I just, I don't want the superstar that was the only superstar in three generations from a line of dogs and say, mm-hmm. well, I'm, you know, and that's what we get a lot of times when, when we, see the new world champion pop up and everybody flocks to to go breed females. Man, I want to know. I want to know what the rest of his relatives, did, yeah, his rest did, his yeah, parents, parents, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Y- you have to. Was look this at guy? That. Was it? Was this dog a fluke, or where did he mm-hmm. come from? You know, I, that's just as important as as anything. I'd, I'd much rather breed to a, an average dog, uh, a good good performing dog, out of a good solid litter, than breed to a a, a superstar out of a litter of duds.
0: Well, and again, I'll leave it alone after this, but that's exactly what Bart says is you can take that superstar that has no backing and you may or may not ever get anything close to what he is. Right. But you take that dog that's out of a a solid litter, that's out of solid parents and your chances are twofold.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And before I get a bunch of hate mail and and different things about, (laughs) about my (laughs) my you know how i breed dogs i've never bred a female that wasn't a top producer or wasn't a top performer i never mm-hmm. have at least in my opinion you know she was a top performer she was above average and uh, i think it's important i think there is there are enough good dogs to choose from out there and if if we're not established enough in our bloodlines in these hound breeds at this point that we can't find these top performing females then then um uh, we're doing a lot of things wrong
0: Well, so I, think, I think they're out there let's ask and I, i've been one of the people that's bred dog to dog i've done it um mm-hmm. in my 20 some years um, good dog
2: to good dog is that what you're saying
0: no i've bred bad dogs to good to a good male or a good female to get pups and um it yeah it's just it you know learning why'd what you, i know now you
2: why did you do it? Young, Why did you dumb, do it there?
0: Didn't, didn't know any better. No, I had nobody yeah. talking to me and telling me and giving me advice. I mean, on you know, on that. Um yeah, I mean, I I bred a couple females. I, well, I'll tell you one of them that I that I bred, I bred her because what she was out of. And she uh-huh. was bull, she's junk. But I bred her <laughs> because I, in my mind, you know, all right, well, she's out of these dogs that were good. So my chances are going to be better and Mm -hmm. maybe two out of the litter. And that was a lot of work to get them to where they needed to be. Yeah. Um, so I have done that a time or two, but the question is, um, and I'm going to roll this back at, at the audience. If we're asking the question is, you know, do you breed to good dogs or do you take, um, you know, a brood female and not breed just backyard dog to backyard dog? The first question is why are we breeding backyard dog to backyard dog? Like I said, I've done it in the past. I mean, years ago, I haven't done it any time in the last 10, 12 years. Um, And I just told you an example of why I did it one time is because I was trying to get back into the the Homer bloodline and she was out of that. So that was my thought process. Yeah. Um, But how do we get people to understand that there's enough dogs in the world that we don't need to be overpopulating them with these <laughs> breedings that are not going to yes. turn out. Yes. How do you talk to your buddy or how do you tell because your Because we get,
2: we get emotionally attached to, oh, this is my female. And sometimes people are just blind to what they're leading around. You know, I've been guilty mm-hmm. of it before. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, like the dog. And you know, like when I was young, it's like, ah, oh, you know, you, you feel like that's the next step. You've, uh, you, you, need to li- raise litter pups or whatever. But I, the Europeans, we've talked about this number numerous, numerous mm. time. They've got to pass. They've got to show that they can perform before they're ever before they're ever considered for breeding stock in the police dog world, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, and I mean, just like we did with the the Bavarian Hounds and Ken Parker. I mean, um, man, those guys they've got to, they've got to meet a certain level of training and then pass a qualification test. Or they don't they don't go, simple as that. So yeah, and it was yeah. Chad
2: just Chad Reynolds. Uh, I mean, he just got back from that drought heart test, and mm-hmm. uh, you know it's not a competition where you're out there and I'm not taking anything away from competition, but that's a team sport. That's a team sport where the handler's got to do his part and the the dog's got to do his part. So you can make calls to make up compensate for weaknesses in your dog. But that was a true straight up pass fail. It's like, okay, so here's our track. You gotta follow the track. Here's your retrieve. You gotta make the retrieve. And there's disqualifiers in there. UKC almost got this right. And I don't know why it didn't take off with, with hound people when they were doing the HTX. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a pass fail. It was a it was a um a pass fail um Field test is what it was. Bird dog people have been doing it for years. Retriever people have been doing it year, for years. And that all came from Europe, where they mm-hmm. do get eight out of 10 pups in litters that perform. Mm-hmm. You know, they, and it's because they have a standard and they stick to it and they don't compromise.
0: Yep. Yep. Well, hopefully that'll answer that question. I'm with Jerry's input on it. And like I said, go back and listen to the, the journey, building a better breeding program with, um, Bart full of good information. Um, like I said, he talks about a lot of the things we just talked about.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All things considered. I know I took the, the, uh, uh, alternate view there, the opposing view on that, but man, there's so many, there's so many good dogs out there. There really isn't any reason to be taking chances on, uh, on the duds but you do need to consider there have been times when uh you know those females with good genetic makeup ended up being ended up being superstar reproducers it just happened mm-hmm. you know yep. but man that's that's those stories are few and far between aren't they
0: yeah yeah yep.
2: i think that leads us into the the next question it, it's kind of say, funny how the this,
0: next one? this is
2: kind this is of talking a,
0: about- the calling.
2: Let's, yeah.
0: Kurt right. Babbitt
2: asks a tough question that we don't talk enough about, and and so we've talked about a couple breeding things here, and uh, now we've got the pups on the ground. And Kurt Babbitt asks this question. He says, "What methods do you use to call, and at what age?" And um, so I think we have to define uh, call. I think I, I think the widely accepted is is euthanization when uh you just see the question when it's when it's framed like this what methods y'all use to call and at what age um obviously um it's not just define call let's define call let's put let's lay that out there all right what's your definition of call
0: well i mean i think there's several different levels of it Mm -hmm. um for me if i call it from uh my program it means i don't want it it's not going to fit it doesn't it doesn't work for me mm-hmm. that necessarily does not mean that we're going to euthanize the dog um i've give several dogs away to deer hunters because the dogs wouldn't tree but they'll run i think chris and i had that conversation um i fixed the dog so i paid 150 dollars out of my pocket to have them fixed both of them well you're covering um,
2: you're too, covering too much ground we're going to have to make stuff up to keep going this fast <laughs> Well, All right, let's read the definition of call here. Okay. Uh, it's a verb. It's select from a large quantity, obtain a variety of sources. Uh, it says select from a large quantity, obtain from a variety of sources. Um, antidotes called from Greek and Roman history. I don't even know what that means. Uh, this, the, noun part of it is a selective slaughter of wild animals which that surprises me that it says that a selective slaughter of wild animals so Mm. i guess technically if you're raising beef cattle then then well let's just take the wild part out of it and you know you're 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 selecting your breeding for beef so you're you're calling that out i don't think that's right i i i don't I don't think this definition from Webster fits the uh, urban dictionary that, that we houndsmen use as call, you know, for me, it's, it's taking them out of your, out of the genetic pool. pool.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: That's, yeah. that's the way I, and, and there's num- a number of ways you can do that. You know, I've had several dogs over the years, Heath, that um, maybe they were, they were great, they they had like you said they could really scorch a track i mean they were top track dogs but they just weren't going to suit me as a as a competition cooner coon hunter as a tree dog when those dogs tree they got to stay treed um and they found homes with with coyote hunters or deer hunters or things like Mm -hmm. that the papers didn't go with them and 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 you started to talk about it you started to talk about it. What's what do you feel your responsibility is before that dog leaves your place?
0: Well, when it leaves my place and it doesn't suit me, it's it's not it's not going to be in the gene pool. So I have them spayed or neutered. Um, like I said, the mm-hmm. last couple that I've and I give them away most most of those. Um, I, I mean, I spay and neuter them because they're they're not what we're looking for. Now, does that mean that they don't pass on what they come out of? No, but I just, I don't, I don't want people doing the backyard breeding, (laughs) especially not with my name attached to it. So that's, that's the most important Mm -hmm. thing to me is if it's got my name attached to it, then we're not putting it out there. They're not, you know, they're not going to, you know, sell it on my, my, oh, this come from him and you know, no, I'm giving you this dog. Oh, I'm
2: tracking with you now.
0: Yeah yeah i'm giving you the dog and yeah you're not gonna go breeding it to so and so because it come out of the line that that you're hunting or i'm hunting or whatever so i just go ahead and go and, sp- and spay and neuter them and i've done the same thing that you say i um i give them to a deer in fact i give a couple to a deer a couple deer hunters and um i've give i mean i've let's go back to the coon hunting when i was coon hunting really hard i mean i'm like you i had several dogs that were more of a pleasure style dog that kind of hunted with you and they didn't get out of pocket. Yeah, um, they tree their own coon, and they, you know, they just weren't what I was looking for for competition side of it. So, I would sell those dogs, and I tell them straight up, "Hey, this this is more of a pleasure dog. He runs in trees. He does this. He does that, but it's not what I'm looking for." So, and I do you, usually sell feel those like the... in You you sell them how? I've, I've i saw I have sold those intact. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean I didn't yeah. spare new of those.
2: Yeah. Do we have a responsibility uh to 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 make sure that they don't reproduce? I mean if they don't pass our standards, then then do we have a responsibility to to ensure that they they never have the chance to pass on their genetics?
0: Well, I mean I think the responsible thing to do would be that do that. I mean I think our our shelter problem with the over running of dogs in the shelter would be a lot less and you wouldn't see people dropping these hounds and stuff on his back road. You know, when you find a hound and it don't have a collar on it, there's a reason why. I mean, it's not suiting whoever it was. And I think it eliminates that problem.
2: Yeah. I think that's uh, that's totally irresponsible. I'll just denounce that practice right now. Yep. You know, this, that used to be pretty common. And I, that was real common 30 or 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, luckily people have gotten more responsible. They understand the, that, that that's not a good look for houndsmen, And, and I, I, I don't see a lot of that anymore. It used to be a pretty big issue, but you know, I'm just, I'm talking like, instead of, instead of selling the dog intact, um, you know, do you have a responsibility to go ahead and, and say, Hey, I've got a, I've got a neutered, neutered male here. I've got a spayed female here. She's going to make somebody a great pleasure dog. So, you know, somebody come and get her. I'll take 400 bucks for her if you want, if some kid, if some old man wants her or you know, somebody just wants a pleasure dog. That's what I'm talking about being responsible in that aspect.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think we can all do better. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that's, that would definitely help the hound community um, put a good, it would put a better light on us Yeah, if, if, if all of us practice that. Mm-hmm. You know, so, the funny,
2: funny thing is Shorty Gorm,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, Shorty, Shorty neuters almost all his males. <laughs> I mean, even if he's keeping them, he neuters them. He's like, why not? You know, we, the horse industry and the cattle industry has been doing it for hundreds of years why do we feel like we need to keep them intact
0: Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah because you know i've had some friends that and in fact an older gentleman he bred a female that went back to my ring dog Uh, it was a granddaughter ring she produced a really good litter of puppies and he went and had her spade and now he's kicking himself in the butt and i'm like "Uh, like why did you do that like why Well, at the time, I didn't think I wanted any more pups. I didn't want to fool with them. And I'm like, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I guess it's give and take. Um, Yeah. I guess back to the question, um, you know, when, I think it's a personal preference. You know, what I see in it. Go ahead.
2: I was just going to wrap this. Well, before we get to what what age, let's finish the part about, you know, what method we use to call. And Mm -hmm. I think, I think there's ways you can call them from your pack move them to the deer Mm -hmm. hunter you can Mm -hmm. spare neuter remove them from the gene pool um Mm -hmm. and then of course last is the hard call euthanization Mm -hmm. and and i used to i i have changed the way i i think about this anymore um the only dogs that get the hard call are dogs that uh have severe defects that aren't going to be fixed you know you get a dog that's mean i mean it's just it's just nasty mean uh if it's if it cannot f- figure out i feel i feel like at this point in my life in my with hounds that if i can't train that out of them you know if you see a shy dogs a lot of times you can bring that you know you can bring them out of that if you if you've got one that's aggressive we did a podcast on the aggressive tree dog you know, and, and talked about that and, and some of the reasons why a dog is, and if you can't, if you can't bring them out of that, you know, I, I changed the way I felt about, you know, mean tree dogs are always going to be mean tree dogs. Uh, that's not necessarily true. Sometimes there's environmental things. But but when it comes to genetic things that you, just, you know cannot be fixed, I told you the story about um, that puppy I had that its skull never closed up. You know, it, it had a soft spot in the top of its head. And uh, that was a euthanization hard call. So mm-hmm. I, I reserve that for, for like, this is going to be the best thing for this particular animal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the word call is used loosely because if, you know, if you look at the definition, you know, it is a hard call mm-hmm. and it says it right there. So, yeah, I mean, I, most of the time it's just not something that, that suits me and i move it i mean i put i have put a couple of hounds in people that um with people that just wanted a dog around the farm mm-hmm. you know I've done it several times um so yeah i guess that's i guess hopefully that deter- that that makes a a difference on what we're talking about and how we're talking about it
2: yeah so let's look at the he had two part question here and what age Mm -hmm. do you determine that that's a good one
0: well again I think that means for me it's a personal preference like um I pretty much by a year old I kind of know if I'm gonna keep the dog or not but again I get to see a lot of dogs in my work environment and I can pick up on things that I see and I do the same thing in the hound world. There may be a dog that I have that is showing me one or two little things that I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give that dog, I'm going to give that dog 16, 18, 20 months old. I may give him to two years. Mm -hmm. Um, if I see certain things and then, you know, there's certain dogs that, you know, (laughs) six or eight months old. I'm like, no, this is not for me. Me too. It's all personal preference. Um, and I think if you're realistic with yourself, that's the first thing, you know. Um, what are you looking for? What's your expectations? So on and so forth. Uh,
2: I look at it, 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 you can't put a hard age on it. You know, there's no way you can. Yeah. You, you, you know, you look at some of the greatest athletes were late bloomers, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Michael Jordan got cut from his high school basketball team. Yep. You know, and, and so you got that going on. Um, and it's the same way with with these hound pups. And, um, you know, if you've if you if you've ever worked with a master carpenter and uh, you do something and you build it and, and uh, you know, he stands there and he looks at it and he's like, well, that's not square. And he never put a square on it because he's got the eye for it. He knows yeah. that mm-hmm. that's not going to work out. It's the same way with our development as houndsmen. You know, you got this puppy, and all of a sudden, you're you're watching him, and and man, when he walks by, you're you're maybe you're feeding on the ground, you know, and scattering food out in the grass, and he's laying fifty yards away, and you see him raise that head and put that nose in the air, and before you know it, he's up and he's waddling over there towards where the food's at, and he's looking for it. You know, that's something I want to see. He may not start treeing his own coon or his own bear until he's 14 months old, but he's got that. He's got drive. He's got these other things. There's just something that you see about those pups that you that makes you want to want to stay with them. But I'm like you, man. Mm-hmm. If I'm not seeing anything by six to eight months old, it's just like I know in my gut that it's like, Me and this pup aren't going to get along. I can already tell.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I, like said, you know, I've said it on other podcasts, you know, back when I first started hunting, I kept dogs forever because I couldn't afford them. You know, it was, it's what I had and I hunted them and. You
2: couldn't afford to go find new ones. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I just couldn't. And, you know, I, I kept dogs that now I would have, I would have let them go. I would have called yeah. them from my place and they wouldn't have been at my place. <laughs> and a couple of those dogs made really, my, I had a dog named Smokey and I, I mean, I could tell you some stories about him and I mean, I fit to be tied with him at 16 months old and I kept him around. I don't know why I kept him. I mean, I don't cause I wanted to get rid of him mm. and the last day of training season, the last day of training season it's like somebody flipped a switch in his head the light bulb went on and he's like oh and he made one of one of my really nice nice hounds but yeah i would never i would have never kept that dog because he showed me nothing nothing mm-hmm. wouldn't go with the dogs wouldn't run i mean wouldn't do nothing so yeah it's it's personal preference and i think you know if you pick a couple things out that you like about the pup then you're more likely to keep them a little longer and give them a little bit more chance and One of the things that, um, and I've said it on my podcast, on the, on the journey, you know, you've got to give the dogs, um, a fair opportunity. And if you're not giving them a fair shake, then it's not fair to them. Um, and I'm guilty, like I've been guilty of this. Um, so, you know, if the dogs are doing what you see, um, you know, that's their responsibility to, to try to give them every opportunity to learn and to grow, um, and to morph into what, what dog they should be and what we want so
2: yeah yeah for sure so hopefully that answers your
0: question on my end yeah good
2: yeah kurt thanks for that question man it's it's a tough one to you know you gotta tiptoe these days you gotta be careful you know um, about how you answer questions and but i think it starts with understanding that there are more methods to meet the objective of what we're really trying to achieve here than just using a one term fits all type thing. You know, there Mm -hmm. are other ways to accomplish your goals and um, you just can't put a hard age on it. You know, I I personally, um, once I get down on a pup, then I know that most of the time it's best for me to, to move on from that pup because I'll probably never give it, give it the attention or the chance that it needs. I like seeing, they don't need to be young superstars, but man, they got to be, they got to show me those moments of greatness when they're, mm-hmm. when they're small that I know are going to come out down the road. So yeah. All right. This is the last one we're going to cover. And this is right up your alley. Jacob Morgan asks, what is the ideal number of dogs to have on a big, old, mean, bait up bear? Zero.
0: Zero. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> I, well, I I think you know the first question you answer is what part of the country are you in because like we've talked about here recently, you know, it's a lot different in the mountains where I'm at from the coast where you can't see your hand in front of your face. Um mm-hmm. I I personally like about four dogs four or five, you know, six, once you start getting dogs, when they can't get out of the way and they get, you know, you got dogs pushing. And if you got a, you know, a really, you know, an overly aggressive dog that's wanting to get in there and bite and cause problems. Well, you shouldn't say cause problems, but for me, yeah. Then you start getting, the more dogs, you're just going to get them, get, get them tore up because all mm-hmm. of them can't get out of the way. Somebody's going to get run over. Right. Somebody's going to get caught up in the, in the chaos it's like, oh, crap, I'm just trying to get out of the way here, and now right. next thing I know, I'm getting slung around. So um, the more is not the merrier for me. Um, like I said, I mean, two bear that's going to walk and bay is plenty. I mean, it's plenty. One dog that's going to walk and bay and stay um, is less vet bills. But, you know, my my perfect number is, you know, four to six is kind of where I'm at.
2: I'm going to re- refer to Willis Butal. He was a government hunter and trapper mm-hmm. from Nevada. I think it was, he's either Utah or Nevada. And Willis has a famous statement. If you can't catch a bear with four dogs, you don't need more dogs. You need better dogs. I need better
0: dogs. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: yeah. And because when you start packing, especially down your country, you know, in that thick laurel and different things. If a dog needs to be juking and jiving, and he can't get out of the way, man, that's a recipe for disaster. And mm-hmm. and if if very rarely have I ever seen, you know, a, a deal where dumping more dogs, dumping more dogs, just makes a bigger wreck a lot of times. Because mm-hmm. if they won't tree with four dogs that you know have put a lot of bear up, or two dogs that have put a lot of bear up dumping 30 on them, isn't going to make them climb. They
0: just, they don't. No, no, I, I agree hundred percent. I think that's, um, yeah, but I'm I'm good with a couple to, you know, one to six. And then, like I said, I think every time you start dumping one or two more dogs, that's just one more, one or two more chances of somebody getting hurt. Yeah. Um,
2: and it's usually not the, it's usually not the cheerleader that's getting hurt. It's the one that's standing back that, that doesn't need to be there anyway that is is getting your real superstar hurt.
0: That's mm-hmm. what I've seen. Yeah. No, that's 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 a fact for sure. So I think that's a pretty easy question is you know, and I like I said I, I see a lot of guys posting on Instagram and Facebook. Um you know, it kind of looks like the average for people's eight to ten is looks like what I see in the most of um on a lot of these pictures, but yeah, for me, I mean, if I've got four of my dogs there, I'm good. I don't, I don't need any more there. They gonna do it or not gonna do it? And yeah, like I said, chances of I'm getting hurt are a lot less. Um, for sure. Yeah, you know, just
2: be just because it's yeah, it's like being in a crowded bar and getting in a fist fight. You know, mm-hmm. if you're a bystander, there's a real if if you can't get out of the way, there's a good chance you're gonna get
0: hurt. You know, get yeah, you get a bottle whatever. over the head too, aren't you? <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: Hey, I didn't yeah, ask for so. that. I'm just here. <laughs> I'm just here for the fun. Yeah. Now I get a big old gash across my forehead. Right, right. Well, hey, uh,
2: that's going to do it for this this uh, month's questions for AMA. I, I appreciate everybody that asks questions and engaging on these things. Seriously, I mean, you guys can ask us anything. We'll, we're not too proud to answer questions. We like to have fun and joke around. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you,
0: AMA, ask me anything Friday. Y'all need to send it up yep. when Chris posts it. Like I said, we'll uh, we'll do our best to give some type of answer, right, wrong, or regardless.
2: Yeah, and we try to go out and find people that um, have got got a lot of experience to to help us answer some of these when they're when they're we realize they're out of our wheelhouse. I'm not afraid to go looking for somebody that can help us answer it. So you can find uh, you can find. Uh, guys need to go to if you haven't done so already go to our website check that thing out we put a lot of work into that That's and nice. uh, you can you can shop on our shop and and you can find cool graphic stuff that like when you go to when you go to our website at houndsmanxp.com you can join us on patreon and when you join us on patreon at the twelve dollar level, you're going to get a Sportsman's Alliance membership. We're going to go ahead and pay that for you. We're trying to make this a really good value for that, so you can support us that way. Um, you can support us by shopping for our merchandise. We've got a cool Hound Mountain Lion logo that just went up, and that thing is blowing up, man. People are buying that thing left and right. the The old Steak and Shake cup from Lauren's Adventure. Okay,
0: that's <laughs> up there.
2: That's up there. You can buy that as a decal. You can buy it on a Tumblr. Check it out, man. It's a cool. It's a cool thing. And uh, Outer Agenda is 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 supplying us with all these cool graphics. So check out Outer Agenda over on Instagram too. It's uh, uh, easy to find. But Derek Derek tormentin is doing a great job on on our graphics for us. And and if you got a kennel or something like that, and you're looking for a logo or or artwork or something, then then hit him up. So. Heath, you got anything else, ma'am?
0: Nope. Thanks for having me on.
2: Well, I'll I appreciate it. will be training you. dogs again all day tomorrow. So. All right. Yep. Well, you take care, and I'll be talking to you soon. And, uh, guys, we're going to sign off. So make sure you're looking for the AMA post next month and post those questions. And the most um, likes that we get on those questions are the ones we read. So until next time, Heath, you follow your hounds, and I'll follow mine.